0: Hey everybody, it's Mark Hertzley, former New York Giants linebacker, and I
1: was just listening to the brand new podcast, D-Blitz. Got me going during my workout. Take care. Welcome back to another episode of D-Blitz. My name is Anthony DeBona. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at By A. DeBona. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at the blitz Podcast, no matter what platform you're listening to the podcast on, please be sure to subscribe, follow, leave a review if you can. It really helps us out, and we do really appreciate it. As always, I'm joined by my co-host and brother, John Debona.
0: Hey everybody
1: All right John so usually we get off to a little funny start but we got a pretty serious topic to talk about. So we had everybody heard about the incident with involving former Seahawks, offensive tackle Chad Wheeler. So the incident actually took place On Friday, January 22nd, he was arrested on the suspicion of felony domestic violence. Uh, If you haven't seen it by now, the tweet went viral of um, the aftermath of the damage he caused to his girlfriend. Supposedly, well, not supposedly, it, it happened at this point. Wheeler choked his girlfriend unconscious twice, and when she woke up, he actually had the nerve to say, wow, you're still alive. And apparently she was able to get away, call the cops. The cops came. They forced their way in because they heard his girlfriend screaming. They actually tried to subdue Wheeler with a taser, but apparently it didn't work. So now he's been charged with first-degree domestic violence assault, domestic violence, unlawful imprisonment, and resisting arrest. So before I go any further, uh, John, what are your thoughts on this entire situation?
0: So needless to say, this guy's a piece of garbage, right? whatever way you want to try to justify it you don't want to try to justify it what he did was horrendous now when this first came out i was thinking all right he's he's probably never going to get another chance again because in reality in the nfl talent justifies how much leeway you get to an extent if you're a, the greater you are the better your chances at rebounding from an off the field issue whatever that issue is and whatever your talent level is so People have brought up, like, Kareem Hunt, Ray Rice, as far as, like, why this isn't getting the same coverage. But Wheeler is not even remotely the player either of those guys were. So, of course, the coverage isn't going to be the same. Now, as far as going back to talent, again, Kareem Hunt was a Pro Bowl caliber talent when he did what he did. And so he got another chance almost immediately. Ray Rice was an aging, past his prime running back. And really, unfortunately for him, the martyr sort of of this all, where that he was the first one to sort of get caught. And he really handled his better than anybody else has post-incident. He showed remorse. He tried to go on a complete like sympathy tour. He was working with domestic violence charities. He seemed to really be somebody who turned it around. And he never got another chance. So just looking at that, and like I said, I know Ray Rice was on the the downside of his career. I can't see Wheeler getting another chance again. Even though he's young, he's just not good enough. But what bothered me more than anything was when I learned that this wasn't the first time this happened with him. Because my initial thought was like, all right, because he is young, even though he sucks, maybe he'll be able to come out and be like, oh, well, I was diagnosed with this thing that I didn't know I had and I'm on medication now or I went to therapy and I'm doing better. And then maybe down the road, somebody would give him another chance. But I made the comparison when it first happened to like a Brandon Marshall thing where he was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. came there Despite the accusations against him, came back, sort of overcame it and really has done really, really well for himself as a mental health advocate and just overall improving his image. But I didn't realize that Chad Wheeler was already diagnosed as bipolar, already supposed to be on medication, and not taking his medication. And I know that that's an issue with a lot of people with mental health issues. But at this point, you absolutely can't ever have him on an NFL team again. And I don't know how you let this man out on the street unsupervised. Because he basically tried to kill a woman. And whether or not you want to use the excuse of him not taking his medicine or whatever, you don't know that he's going to take his medicine. So I feel like this guy has to be locked up for some period of time, whether it's in a hospital or some sort of mental institution. You can't, you not only can't let this guy in the league anymore, you can't let this guy on the street anymore. It's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah. And it's crazy because I was just reading up on it before we started recording and he's already out on bail. So it's like, he i think they ran, they ran the court date for i think like february 9th or whatever so now this and they gave him like a gps tracking device to that's wear what I'm i heard
0: they wanted him to wear a monitoring device which at least if they do that then they can make sure he's not within the range of the girl and i guess that's a little bit of a consolation prize but it's still kind of ridiculous that he's not just locked up until the trial cuz like i said, how do you monitor this guy like i mean i guess you monitor him with ankle bracelets but how do you make sure he's not like i don't know it's just crazy like Because this seems so much more different than like, not that I'm justifying what Ray Rice or Kareem Hunt did at all. Like, I don't think you should ever lay your hands on a woman unless she literally is coming at you with a weapon. But both Ray Rice and Kareem Hunt, you could almost understand that like, all right, those are guys who maybe didn't know how to deal with anger issues. From what we know, more or less a a one-time thing with both guys. And maybe you could say, all right, they'll learn from it. They'll get therapy, counseling, whatever. They'll move on. But Chad Wheeler, from what I was hearing today, I forget where I heard it, I think it was maybe Shannon Sharp on Undisputed, Um, but he said that he was arrested in college for holding a girl basically hostage and breaking out windows because he was so crazy. And like I said, if this has happened multiple times, and I don't know if it was the same girl both times or what, but either way, I
1: feel like this guy should not be walking the streets. Period. Yeah, I 100% agree, and I feel like There is some merit because I know people have said like, oh, like it's unbelievable that this wasn't a lot of athletes, especially have been talking about how it wasn't covered nearly as much as the things that a black athlete have done. And obviously what you said in terms of like the caliber of player that he was plays a part in it, of course. Well, But I also do feel like, yeah, but I also do feel like even though he was like I for some reason, I still feel like if this was a black backup offensive tackle. It still would have been news because it's just so crazy to me that the incident happened last week, Friday, January twenty second, like I said, and we didn't even see Adam Schefter tweet about it. He didn't report all. When anything else happens, I feel like he's the first one to have it, or TMZ has it, or something like a lesser.
0: The difference is that's also all things that are getting leaked by somebody. You know what I mean? It's not like Adam Schefter is at these court arrangement, like. Somebody is leaking it to him or leaking it to TMZ. I don't, think leaked, I don't think somebody leaked it to him and he sat on it.
1: Yeah, but I find it hard to believe that. like He didn't have anybody to reach out to. So this guy has connections all over the league. Like You don't think some source to him or Ian Rappaport or one of these guys was like... And they probably just saw the name. and I'm like, oh, nobody cares, whatever.
0: But But, like, that, but that's what that's, I think it was. I think it was that if there was a source, it was probably not a source that Schefter or any of those guys would use on a regular basis you know what I mean it might have been like oh a guy who randomly saw the report you know maybe like a beat like not a beat cop but I guess whoever would be working at the precinct or whatever you know maybe reaches out to them and that's all assuming that maybe they even did I just the comparison that I made was like you could literally google NFL players accused of domestic violence and a list comes up with like guys that got some more coverage but who were also a little bit better like reuben foster who i t- totally forgot about um but then there were guys like chris cook and i think it was tony mcdaniel and ray mcdonald and i feel like none of those guys those are all black athletes who all got accused of domestic violence and i feel like none of them got even a smidge of coverage really because they were nobodies really in the league relative to ray rice and Hunt. i think had this been christian mccaffrey who locks because I feel like Christian McCaffrey is closer to what Ray Rice and Kareem Hunt were when they, you know, did what they did. Or even a guy like, and I know he's out of the league now, but Peyton Hillis. I think if they locked up, like Peyton Hillis or Christian McCaffrey lock up their girlfriend and, you know, to kill, or not even threaten to kill her, but choke her until she's basically almost dead. I think that's going to get a lot of attention from a lot of sources. I think it's just that Chad Wheeler sucked. Most people don't know who Chad Wheeler even was. If he w- didn't play for the Giants, I would have had no idea who Chad Wheeler was. I didn't even realize he was on the Seahawks. And I think that's the biggest thing. I know people want to make everything a race issue. And if you want to talk about how sort of mental health gets talked about in a broader perspective, I get it. But I think for this specific case, it was just that Wheeler sucks. And I feel like you see it blowing up now because as people are talk- like people are starting to talk about it because of how crazy it was. But I think why it initially didn't get the coverage isn't isn't because he's a white player. It's just because he was a garbage player. He wasn't any good. Yeah, but I feel
1: like it's gotten more attention now because, like, especially of all the athletes, like I said, like, I know Des Bryant, like, literally threatened him on Twitter, like, oh, if I ever say, like, I hope I see you somewhere or whatever, like, you'll never ask me if I'm alive or something to that effect. Like, it's getting attention now because these athletes are bringing, like, bringing attention to it because I feel like especially with like Adam Schefter, he would always like dig deep and like constantly send out tweets over and over and over again. But with this situation at like sports center put out their account, put out something. And then like, he just quote tweeted it and was like, Oh, the Seahawks plan on not bringing him back anyway. So like, I feel like, I don't know. It just, it just rubbed me the wrong way, especially like in today's climate with yeah. everything going on. But like, I said, but like also one, just one more thing. Yeah. It's like, it's a white athlete doing it to a black woman. Like and, it's, and I know a lot of the times, like like the, a lot of the incidents you mentioned, yeah, there was never any evidence that came out. There was never any pictures or anything like that. But like with this, you literally see the woman's face, and it's just like horrifying to see that. Like, oh yeah, I did not even imagine. I think that's, so. I really feel like it's like I understand because he wasn't good. Yeah, like it was swept under the rug. But I also feel like it was the perfect opportunity to try and bring awareness to the situation, especially like the mental health aspect of it, but also like just like you just shouldn't be done. Like, it's just, they should have really made more of an example out of him than they did, but I don't know.
0: But here's the thing. Like I said, if you're going to say making more of an example out of him, it's, I feel like you're going to do that through the courts. You know what I mean? I mean, you could say the media, but I feel like the media, like I said, this guy sucks. So people kind of don't care as much. Just being honest. Cause like I said, you could say, Oh, Dez threatened him on Twitter. This guy threatened him. This guy said this, and all these athletes are making it a big deal. But like I said, you talk about keep that same energy Let's be real. If this was Tony McDaniel or Chris Cook or Ray McDonald, Des isn't threatening them on Twitter, whether it's a black girl or a white girl that they do it to. It's because, I think because Chad Wheeler is a white player who did it to a black woman, people want to make it a more of a racial issue than it probably is. When in reality, it's this, and I don't want to curse, but this effing lunatic who is clearly disturbed and evil, like, and, but he's a sh- garbage football player. So, I think that's all that it comes down to. Like I said, I think if it was a really terrible black athlete who was, you know, a bench warmer, Chad Wheeler literally hadn't started a game in two years. I think if, a, if there's a black OT who hadn't started a game in two years, it's going to get coverage, but it's going to get Chad Wheeler coverage. You know what I mean? I think he's just terrible. Like, And that's the thing, too. Chad Wheeler, not only is he not good now, he coming out of college went undrafted. So he's not even like a guy who had hype at any point. There's really, unless you're a diehard USC fan or a diehard Giants fan or Seahawks fan, you have no clue who Chad
1: Wheeler is. Yeah, but I get I don't know. The way I, I see like I said, it's just like, in today's climate especially, because a lot has changed even since like, <sighs> the, the issues you mentioned. So I, I don't know. I feel like the athletes are just frustrated because they see like, they're not looking at the caliber of player. They're just seeing like, race, which is obviously a huge topic right now. So I can no, kind of understand.
0: And I get that, sides, but I so. feel like you also have to if you're gonna make that comparison, have a comparison. You know what I mean? Like show me who is the white player that did this and didn't get the coverage. Because if you can show me that, I will say I am a hundred percent wrong. You're totally right. Let's move
1: on. What so, did the like, uh, the Giants kicker do? Josh Brown, but I feel like Josh Brown was a white guy and he I feel like you didn't you didn't even hear that talked about on like like uh first take at that point no but
0: you're also going back a couple
1: years ago at, the, at this point yeah you know I mean? but that's what i'm saying that's the same time that a lot of these other situations that you mentioned happened like right now like there's a huge difference from like five years ago to now oh, especially yeah. with like racial issues people are a lot more like prone and, and willing to bring that stuff to the forefront so the fact that it's not being like brought to their attention because it's even been like what three three years since the kareem hunt situation and even longer since like the ray rice situation yeah but so, no, like i
0: said josh brown was around that same time
1: frame but- I remember, right? yeah but i feel like he didn't get nearly the attention no like, but josh, technically josh was saying, he was like a starter but and josh whatever, brown also so like...
0: josh brown also didn't get the same attention at the time because hunt and Ray rice especially got the attention they got because of the combination of who they were and
1: having literal video not even yeah. i mean pictures are bad enough but literal video like but i honestly think the picture of zach wheeler's girlfriend is worse than the videos of either one of those other
0: oh i'd agree but i'd say the picture of zach wheeler's girlfriend is a Maybe, I don't remember, because I can't remember if you saw her face or not, but I remember the pictures of Greg Hardy's girlfriend being really terrible, too, and like I said, now Greg Hardy's making six figures a fight fighting men in the yeah. UFC, and Greg Hardy yeah. never like, at least, what like, even if what Wheeler did was absolutely terrible, and I'm not excusing what he did at all, at least he was smart enough, or his camp was smart enough to come out and immediately be like, I screwed up, this was my issue, I'm not even going to try to play football, I'm going to work on this, and start the sort of recovery process right away which is like like i said i feel like ray rice kind of handled it similarly and he should have gotten another chance in my opinion and never did but like i said you got a guy like greg hardy never like to my knowledge greg hardy has never even acknowledged what happened at all really i've seen him in so many ufc pre and post fight interviews and the guy basically brushes it off and acts like nothing happened like and like i said he's literally getting money now to punch people in the face So, I don't know. Like I said, I think think if Wheeler was a bigger name, or if you had uh, a black player who was bad, as bad as Chad Wheeler, and did something similar, who was getting dragged through the mud, then I think it would be an easier conversation to have, but I think it's hard to even talk about because you don't have that black counterpart to it. All the black players that have gotten attention have been
1: high-profile black players yeah it's just weird because like you said like oh he got out in front of it or like his team did a good job but like it's been almost a week like today's the sixth day since it happened and today was the first time he like publicly said anything
0: well i saw this so i feel like i think i saw the tweet the day the story came out i forget if i initially saw it sunday
1: or monday but
0: i 26th was when i
1: sent the tweet out like i showed you that tweet i was gonna
0: say, i think yeah i thought he had the tweet basically the day the story came out but
1: even still, so, it's still two days ago at this
0: point so what was that tuesday um yeah like I said, if once it became a story, basically, he had no choice. But that's, I feel like, with everybody who gets into trouble. Everybody needs to do damage control.
1: Yeah, but the moral of the story is Chad Wheeler is a piece of garbage. Oh, Chad, Chad Wheeler everybody is...
0: A, I was like, Chad Wheeler is absolute garbage, should not be allowed on the street. Like, I'm not defending who Chad Wheeler is as a person at all. I'm just defending yeah. the sort of coverage from the media and fans, even. Like I said, it's just... I'm not. Yeah, well, I'm, don't get me wrong. I Don't misconstrue this at all. I'm not saying Chad Wheeler should be defended in any way, shape, or form. I'm just defending
1: the way the coverage happened. Oh, yeah, of course. And, like, we'll agree to disagree in that aspect. But one thing we can agree on is how awful the Texans have handled this Deshaun Watson situation. Oh. Hey, everyone. It's time to take a quick break and talk about this week's sponsor, Fanspeak.com. Fanspeak.com is the sports fans' interactive toolbox. Draft season is approaching, and Fanspeak has everything necessary to keep yourself entertained during the offseason. They have recently launched Ultimate GM 2021, which allows you to use their on-the-clock mock draft simulator and their manage the cap free agency simulator completely ad-free. You'll be able to seamlessly simulate the entire offseason from the draft to free agency for whoever your favorite team is. Go to Fanspeak.com now to check out everything they have to offer. They're hiring David Cully as their head coach, who is actually the oldest first-time head coach in NFL history. So That's crazy. If you want to um, win over your 25-year-old star franchise quarterback, who's clearly frustrated, you know what you do? You hire a 65-year-old man that's uh, been in the NFL since, I think, the 80s or 90s. And you're like, hey, you take over the team.
0: So What
1: got me with him,
0: and I didn't realize until you said it, for some reason in my head, I thought he was a coordinator. And I don't know why I pictured him being the defensive coordinator. But when you said he was the Ravens' wide receivers coach? Yeah, and, and slash assistant head coach. So his title with the Ravens. Because not for nothing. I mean, the Giants had – was it Tyke Tolbert? Who was – let me just double check. I think it was Tyke Tolbert. At one point, the Giants had a wide receivers coach who was, like, making everybody serviceable, it felt like. um, Yeah, it was Tyke Tolbert. And – like, if he had gotten the promotion straight from wide receivers coach to head coach, I would get it. But, yeah, like you said, what did Baltimore do with their wide receivers this year to make it seem like this guy is a guy you want?
1: Yeah, it's just like – because he was with the Eagles for forever since I was a, started being a fan. And I just remember any article I used to read, like, after every season was like, why is this guy still the wide receiver coach? And he would just stick around. He was there from – I think ninety nine to like twenty twelve, like right before Andy Reid left. So that entire tenure, all there's three receivers I can remember like that actually were any good. And that was Terrell Owens, and Terrell Owens was Terrell Owens before he got to the Eagles. You had Deshaun Jackson, who was highly regarded and, and drafted, I think, second round. And then Jeremy Macklin, who was another highly regarded, highly drafted receiver. I can't name who were the other receivers? You got Freddie Mitchell Weapon X yeah, exactly. Um, love me some Freddie. Jason Avant. Um, I don't even know who else. Like, that's how – like, this guy has done nothing, like, to develop wide receivers. And then he's been the Ravens wide receiver coach the last two years. And their leading receiver in 2019 was Hollywood Brown, who had a whopping 584 yards. Beast. And then he was their leading receiver this year. Wait, back in 2019, Mark Andrews is technically their leading receiver, but he's a tight end, so leading wide receiver was Marquise Brown. And then this past season, Hollywood Brown led the entire team with a, an incredible total of 769 yards. <laughs> so he hasn't even been able to like maximize one of the best deep threats. I mean, granted, Lamar Jackson is the best deep thrower in the, in the world, but still, I feel like Marquise Brown should at least be getting 1,000 yards a year he's just way too explosive not to. So I just don't understand.
0: Well, he's also always banged up just not, not to defend David Culley, but I feel like Marquise Brown struggles to stay healthy. Just oh, even yeah, when he's on I the field, like still, it's still, he's like, never
1: hundred percent. But yeah, but I feel like even when he is playing, it's just like, yeah. I don't know if it's like the offensive coordinator, they're just not using him right. I know, like I said, Lamar Jackson's unlimited quarterback in terms of like throwing the ball, but I still feel like you should be able to be like creative with him and do something with him. But it's just like one thing I, I heard on the radio today, I think it was, uh, dcr that that somebody on dcr said it but they were like they wonder if the texans made this hire because the um they supposedly were interviewing josh mccown for their head coaching job because he was there they 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 signed him late in the year last year off the eagles practice squad to uh be their backup or whatever and apparently he had like a great relationship with deshaun watson but then once those reports came out they were like Everybody was roasting them because they were like, "How could you pass over a guy like Eric Bannerman or Leslie Frazier, like naming these black coaches that they've been linked to for a guy that's never coached at all?" But then now they're hiring a black coach and David Culley. Okay, so, do you know?
0: What I, was I I didn't know how to ask this politically correct in a politically correct way. I wanted to try to ask as inoffensively as possible. But yeah, looking at David Culley in pictures, I was going to ask, "Is he black?" Because I truly couldn't tell. And I didn't. And, and I can't find the information anywhere.
1: Honestly, if this is gonna sound terrible, but like they, like I said, they mentioned it on the radio too, because supposedly Josh McCown might be on his staff as well.
0: Okay, that's that would be
1: my next question. Could McCown come in as like the OC? Let's we'll say. That's what I'm thinking. Like, well, they're going to hire Pep Hamilton as their quarterback coach. I believe. I think that came out today. Okay. Well. So that's like another prominent black. I coach. Saying, so I respect them for that hire. I was like, we also Pep we Hamilton also talked great. lovingly about Pep
0: Hamilton when we talked about Dwayne Haskins going to Pittsburgh. Yeah, he's he, he's really good. I I yeah. like him
1: a lot. But the David Culley thing came out of nowhere, and I feel like it's like the perfect. Like, you know, Deshaun, you already knew Deshaun Watson wanted out. Apparently he like, I know it came out today that he officially requested a trade, but apparently like David Culley knew about it before he took the job. So I feel like this is like the perfect situation for them to like hire this black coach, like kind of quiet everybody from like criticizing them for that, even though they're still going to get bashed for it. But it's pretty much them saying like, oh, look, we hired this black coach. Like we're great people. And even though they know that they're putting him in an awful situation, and then in their minds, I'm pretty sure in a year or two, they're going to be like, oh, hey, Josh McCown, do you want this interim head coaching job? And then we're going to hire you full time. Well, that's what I was going to – It just seems like like it's just set up for
0: failure for That's us. what I was going to bring up too because I'm yeah, – anybody who knows me knows I'm not somebody who wants to interject, race into a lot of things. But the Houston situation seems so weird and so ugly that, like I said, with them having – I forget the guy's name, but like the guy that – deshaun and everybody apparently hate who is just like some preacher from, like, oh yeah, who yeah. with its highest to New England. it. Let, let me see. Find his name. But like, I was wondering if it almost feels like it's like, well, we do have to hire a black head coach, Jack Easterby. Yeah, there you go. Where it's like, but I wonder if Houston was like, well, we kind of have to hire a black head coach to save face, but you know enemy or Frazier, they might actually have a personality and might actually stand up for themselves. So will Cully let us walk all over them? Who's the like who's the black head coach that's gonna let us sort of like make them look silly and sort of dance for us is what it feels like to some degree. And I, I don't wanna like I don't want to shame David Cully either, because like I feel like that does sound disparaging with him. And I don't I don't blame anybody who, especially if you're sixty five years old and you're getting a chance to be a head coach. Take that job and run with it. I hope he has a ton of success. But from the outside looking in, it feels like Houston has, yeah, like I said, pulled a little bit of that, like, dance for me card where it's like, who can we sort of get and still control? And maybe David Culley will end up being great. Who knows? But, yeah, if you have the enemy, you have Frazier. Guys who have sort of had a little bit more history, a little bit more success, even if it's not a ton of success at a coaching level and who are still younger. It seems weird that you'd go for Holly.
1: Yeah, and it's just like like I said, like we I know I kind of crapped on his, his record and like his reputation, but this guy's been coaching since like apparently nineteen seventy eight at Austin P University <laughs> as the running back coach. So it's like I want nothing more than this guy that devoted the last thirty, almost forty years to coaching. To like succeed, well, forty-two years actually to coaching. Yeah, I was like, you to talk succeed. about you talk but about like,
0: grinding away.
1: That's a whole new level. Like yeah, you're in the sport for exactly. that long without ever getting a head coaching spot at any level. But it's also kind of like terrible on the Texans part because like they knew the situation they're putting him in. So I don't know. Like it feels like they like didn't want to put BNME or or Frazier. Maybe neither one of them even wanted the job after they knew Deshaun Watson was out of there. But like, like like you mentioned, it seems like they're just like, oh look, we hired this black guy, like. But they know damn well that he's like not in their, the long-term plans. It just seems like such an awful thing to do. And like I completely understand why Deshaun Watson wants out of there.
0: The only so, thing that I will say in support of Houston, potentially, is – and I forget where I read the quote. It might have been completely unreliable. And I know the numbers don't back it up. But I read a quote somewhere that basically said, the best thing about David Culley is he gets guys to buy in. Yeah. And ultimately that is what you want from a head coach. I think you could be a bad coordinator. I think you could be even a bad positional coach, but you could still be a great head coach. Cause I think it's, and vice versa. I think you could be a great coordinator, a great position coach and a terrible head coach. Cause I think there's something to managing everybody and everybody's personality. And I feel like your number one job as a head coach is just manage situations and manage personalities. And so if he is a guy that can sort of get the most out of guys and get guys to kind of buy in, then I feel like it's twofold because like, maybe you let him try to talk to Sean into staying. And even if it doesn't, maybe you're like, all right, maybe he can get the most out of whatever sort of trash we have left over. Because let's be real, at this point, especially if they give away Watson – if Cully can get them even close, like, kind of like a Joe Judge situation this year, if Cully can get them to even six or seven wins, but they're competitive in a lot of their games, I think he's going to get a lot of praise. So, I don't
1: know. Yeah, I, I, I understand that, like, especially, like you said, like, relating to players, because I feel like Doug Peterson in Philadelphia, like, that was kind of his calling card until, like, Frank Wright got poached from his staff, and then, like, John DiFilippo left. So, it's like, he had these like actual football guys that he relied on to like win that sort of aspect. Cause they played a huge part in the Super Bowl season. But then it seemed like once they left, like that whole, like being a great leader and setting a, a trend and all this stuff in the locker room, guys buying in underdogs, rah, rah, like that stuff only lasts so long until like it comes down to like winning football games and then making players happy. I just feel like, especially if the Texans are going to be rebuilding it, cause it seemed like Deshaun Watson wanted like, a younger, more, like, hip coach. Like, we know Eric Bieniemy is involved with, like, the best offensive football. So Watson saw that and was, like, get me that guy. Like, I want to work with him. So it's, like, I don't know how he'll feel about a 65-year-old guy that's, like, that hasn't been involved in, like, any, like, innovative offenses or anything like that. Like, it just seemed like they know he's gone, and this was kind of just, like, them trying to save face in a way. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. Like, that's why I kind of liked what the Eagles did, because they're kind of heading into, like, a rebuild. So they went with, like, the young guy. They probably hired him maybe a year or two earlier. Than oh, and expected. Sirianni,
0: honestly, as a Giants fan, Sirianni feels like this year's Joe Judge, where it's, like, a guy nobody yeah. talked about, a guy exactly. nobody knows, even the most, like, diehard fans. But maybe that's a good thing. Like, you don't always necessarily need – and maybe David Culley will be the old version of that, where he's, like, a guy nobody was talking about, but a guy who ultimately works as a head coach. But, yeah, it just feels weird when you had – other head coaches who Deshaun – we know Deshaun wanted more.
1: Yeah, and I just feel like if you were going with, like, the older – like, if if they were dead set on, like, saving face and hiring a black coach, I feel like why wouldn't you go with someone like Jim Caldwell instead of David Culley because, like –
0: I mean, unless – the only other thing I can think of is if a guy, like – although he's been taking interviews, right? I would say if a guy like Caldwell turned them down because Caldwell had success in Indy – No, I think he even
1: interviewed with them, like, twice. Oh, really? That is a little surprising, yeah. Because I would say Caldwell had success in the past. Yeah, he was, like, he was on the Dolphins staff, I think, last year or in 2019, but then, like, stopped because of health reasons. But then, like, now he's even, like, created a Twitter account and <laughs> he's, like, talking about how, how he wants to coach again and stuff. Um, so I don't know. But, I mean, in terms of, like, the Deshaun the Watson situation, now it seems like it's inevitable that he's going to be traded. Yeah. So, I know, like, ESPN put up a thing with, like, a bunch of different trade proposals and we talked about that on, like, social media. But if you were the Texans, what would be, like, your ideal package? pretty strong. um at least eight to ten inches oh wait you don't mean
0: that sort of package Whoa. um Whoa. yeah hey, um all right no uh i feel like jets jets or dolphins both work for me it really depends on how they view the quarterback and i honestly like i feel like the one thing we're gonna do on the show if nothing else is be honest about what we've seen and haven't seen especially me so like I have not watched remotely enough tape on anyone this year yet to really have a fully formed opinion on anybody. So I don't, I can't tell you, oh, Justin Fields is definitely the guy or Trey Lance is definitely
1: the guy. Or anybody Wait, there, there is one thing though. That? you said Zach Wilson's going to the line.
0: Oh, well, I know that. That I know because of personality. That has nothing to do with football. <laughs> That's just Zach Wilson and Dan Campbell are a match made in heaven based on personality alone. I don't even have to watch a smidget tape. That's, that deals okay. that happen. But, yeah, I don't know. I, if I'm the Texans and all deals are sort of what they look like right now, I probably go with Miami. Because I, I still think Tua has potential. Tua, Tua's numbers weren't terrible this year. I think he had, like, what, 11 to 5? Um, yeah. And I know with Tua, there's always questions about health and whatever. But And I know you were talking about how Miami – hired one of two as gurus or whatever um charlie fry but i still like which is still crazy to me charlie fry um but i still like that deal also just before i forget um going back to head coaches for one second are we in agreement that i feel like ryan Fitz uh ryan fitzpatrick is going to be the first or not the first but like one of those guys that goes straight from player to head coach uh it's,
1: it's there's three of them i think this year um, him, Josh McCown, and I feel like Philip Rivers, but, too. But Fitzpatrick didn't retire yet, did he? No. See, I feel like I give Fitzpatrick... He's going to play till he's 45, I and he's it... going to always have a game where he throws
0: for five touches. I give him the edge over the other two, because I think Rivers was too good to probably be a head coach. I know he has the personality well, he's already, for it,
1: but... He, I think he's already locked into, like, coaching his high school. Or something. Yeah, well, like a that's, school. that's a little bit different, but... Like, yeah.
0: at an NFL level, I feel like there's always that thing about how they say, like, good players generally, with, a, with rare exceptions, don't make good coaches. Because you have to understand the struggle of guys and guys who aren't doing great, guys who get benched, that sort of situation. That's why a lot of your best head coaches are guys who barely ever really played. Like, guys who played at a low level or played and kind of sucked. But I think Fitzpatrick sort of has that. But then he also has the Harvard
1: smarts and being on so many different offenses. Like, I was wait. I was just gonna say, like, did you know Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard? Yeah, I feel like that's always brought up anytime. I was gonna say, about.
0: but like, but it really is a thing because for him to be able to, he has this sort of like common man, like I played on every team in every situation, good, bad, and indifferent. Like, so he can relate to every player, but then he has the Harvard level intelligence to be like, if I have to talk to football executives, if I have to talk to other coaches, like people know I'm legitimately smart. Like, so I feel like having that best of both worlds. I really think Fitzpatrick. Could be a, and he, I mean, he has a fun personality too, from what we've seen. I think Fitzpatrick is going to be the next player to transition to head coaching role down the road.
1: But, and he would easily have the best beard ever of all oh, head coaches for sure. So that's that's automatically wins over the locker room right there. But going back to Houston, what trade would you take if you were Houston? Um, I did like the fake Patriots trade that the uh, ESPN put out there, where it was like JC Jackson, Jacoby Myers. Yeah, you said that some, like no. picks. I don't get it. But like, because Houston's going to want a white quarterback because they're a racist <laughs> franchise, so that's like the perfect spot for Mac Jones.
0: Allegedly, allegedly,
1: that's allegedly, 15. racist franchise. Let's cover our bases. Yeah, yeah.
0: Only, yeah. only
1: every piece of evidence indicates it, but. <laughs> but yeah, so that's like a per- fifteen would be like a perfect spot for Mac Jones. And then you get, like, J.C. Jackson, who had double-digit interceptions and, like, wasn't even nominated for the Pro Bowl, which is insane to me. And then, like, Jacoby Myers had a couple random, like, 100-yard games, and that's with Cam Newton throwing to him with half an arm. So, I like Jacoby Myers. Like that's law firm. I feel like those are – yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I feel like that's, like, too little – and then there was, like, other picks involved too. But I know you mentioned it as well. I really like the Panthers trade that had oh yeah the with, the Bridgewater,
0: with Bridgewater I was with Bridgewater going back and, and what else? It was like Bridgewater they have I think it was like a couple day two picks they, they pick, like yeah that. they pick pretty high this year don't they? Aren't they in the top ten in like nine or something? Seven, yep. seven. um also I know it's not gonna happen because like I said in the group um David Gettleman doesn't trade up and he's I think he's married to a guy but he's married to a guy but just for quarterback that's his quarterback quarterback. um but just for the fun of it if you wanted a new quarterback um daniel jones evan ingram 11 and then 2022 and 2023 i feel like if you're houston and the giants did hypothetically offer that somehow and like i said i know they won't because they're up against the cap they love daniel jones i think but just hypothetically, let's say if they're like, well, this defense is way better than we expected. Let's do everything we can to win now. Barkley's coming back, hopefully, and whatever. Like,
1: how do you say no to that offer? I don't know. All right, so since you mentioned your favorite team, I'm going to mention my favorite team. You ready to get real crazy? So here's the deal. We're going to trade Carson West. Not to Houston, though, I would imagine. To, no, Houston, no, no, Austin. no. no. They to trade him to, to no, his, his boy... <laughs> Trade him to his boy Frank Reich because they don't have a quarterback. Okay, so right you so pick they, get, they get reunited. You get like a, a day-two pick for gotcha. that, right? Then Jalen Hurts, okay. who is a Houston, Texas native, the guy wore Houston Astros gear, hat, and jacket to a post-game press conference, got absolutely crucified by by Philly media for absolutely no reason. But that guy bleeds Houston. He loves it. So you send him back home. You send him to the Texans. You give them the sixth overall pick and whatever else they want. Another future. So first, you're going to so have to go. Whatever. Yeah,
0: you're going to have to give 2022. I think anybody who does this is probably given 2022 and 2023. Maybe the Jetsons are the only
1: exceptions because they have multiple firsts this year. let
0: that? me just
1: say, I, w- I, I personally wouldn't want to do that because this team's not built to win right now. So I think that would be a terrible yeah. idea. But the, the, the Eagles did somehow do that. <laughs> Houston, bringing Jalen Hurts back to Houston, like kind of makes sense, especially from like a marketing standpoint. But a little note I did hear today: uh, Rich Samini, who's like the most plugged-in Jets reporter, they had him on uh, the Michael K. Show today, and they were like, "Oh, they were talking about like the stock market, all that stuff that went." Yeah. So they were like, "Oh, if you had to buy stock in the Jets trading for Deshaun Watson, like how much would you invest?" And he was like, "On a scale of one to ten, I would put uh, like a 2. But he was like, "I would put like all ten in." The Jets drafting Zach Wilson.
0: Oh, that's weird.
1: So I was like, Oh, okay, that's a little interesting. So, so they
0: they're gonna take I, I say know. they would take Zach Wilson at two, right? Because he's gonna otherwise he's
1: gonna yeah, otherwise he's going to Detroit. Yeah, yeah. So, he's going before that, I think. I don't think he would get past Atlanta. But um yeah, that was a little that was interesting because I feel like he knows more about the Jets yeah, than anybody. They can't so don't for him to say Don't they,
0: crush my Wilson to Detroit dreams though, people. So, this is Zach Wilson and Dan Campbell, are my new, my second favorite team if this happens.
1: Just touching on the whole Watson to the Jets thing, too, it's just like, I feel like I know this is going to piss off a lot of their fans, especially Bugs, but like, they, if they trade all, like, they ha- I know they have a lot of picks, but they're going to, it's going to take most of their, their high picks to get the Sean Watson. So I feel like if you put themselves, and I know, granted, they have a lot of money. For for they games, have a lot of too. cap room, though. But that's like that's banking on a lot because you really don't have any notable talent besides maybe say Denzel Mims, Beckett, uh, Mackay, May, and Williams, and like Qu- Quinn and Williams and Marcus. Like you have like four yeah. players, and even like two of them are still like kind of question marks because Mims was like good but not that great. He was hurt. It was like May might be leaving. I think he's a free agent soon. So it's just like I don't know. I feel like if you put too much into Watson and then like. You're really banking on, like, because even the free agency receiver, like, the, the wide receivers that are out there, like, Allen Robinson's phenomenal, but he has injury problems. Kenny Galladay's phenomenal, but he's been banged up, like, this whole year. I know because I had him on, like, all of my fantasy teams. So it's just, like, it's a lot to risk. I almost feel like it's safer to just keep all those picks, take whichever quarterback you love that's not Trevor Lawrence, and then just surround them with as much talent as possible. I feel like that's almost a better investment. Oh, I don't know. For the Jets, probably, but. I gonna say if you're talking
0: that route and you're worried about like, okay, well, who are we going to put around them? Whatever. I feel like the match made in heaven for the two sides is that combination of, and I know it's going to be embarrassing because it would be Houston going within the AFC and just getting their picks back plus a little bit more. But that Houston, Miami deal, Miami was a 10 win team with very questionable quarterback play. I think you get, you get Watson
1: to Miami and you have a legitimate contender. Like, that would honestly remind me of, like, the Bucks this past year. Because yeah. I feel like Miami's a team that has, besides maybe running mm-hmm. back, because I think Devontae Parker signed an extension. You got, like, Mike Kosicki there, tight end. They have a decent young offensive line. Their defense is obviously... Even oh, so the defense, I like but, their I defense like, a lot better than their offense, but if you have Watson,
0: that should cover for Yeah,
1: but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, I feel like that's, like... They're, like, almost the reverse of the Bucks. Like, I feel like the Bucks had, like, the young defense, yeah. but, like, the super ready offense. Yeah. Whereas, like, the Dolphins have, like the young offense, but the super ready defense. So I feel like, especially in that division, if you add Watson to that team, but, like, the whole Tua thing and then hiring Fry, she's like it seems like, I don't know, like, uh, I have no idea. And the whole thing is, like, Deshaun Watson has a no-trade clause, so if he just doesn't want to go to either one of those teams, it doesn't matter what now are doing. But now, if, he doesn't, like, go, like, apparently, if like,
0: he doesn't go to either one of those, where does he go? Because do you think Carolina or New England are going to make those sort of offers? I don't know if... I mean, you would hope Belichick would. He'd see – like, saw the value this year of, like, having a quarterback. But I don't know if Rule yeah. would want to do that or if Rule would rather try to draft his own guy.
1: Yeah, because I know, like um, – I think it was um, Ian Rappaport today brought up, like, oh, don't rule out yeah. Carolina. Don't rule out Carolina. I, I see what you did there. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. But – um 'Cause he was saying how like he went to Clemson, Clemson's in South Carolina. He's born in Georgia, so he might want to be like down south. Uh-huh. Granted, Miami's like as far south as you can oh. go. But, so, like, I said,
0: Miami's a different, yeah, Miami be, like,
1: so far south you're north again. But... Yeah, so it's just like he might choose to go. And I feel like that's another situation that's like he would have a ton of weapons there. Because you have like Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, and like their offensive line's decent. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey. So I feel like you put him in there with Joe Brady. That's another, like, young offensive mind.
0: Oh, Joe, Bra- Joe Brady and Watson like would be, be a
1: fun combination. <clears throat> Whoa. And um, what's crazy to think about is, like, that Panthers offense is so good. And then I was reading recently, like, their entire draft class last year was just defensive players. Yeah. They didn't spend a single pick on an offensive player.
0: Well, I forgot they got, yeah, they got like, a, who was it, Gross Matos until all the stuff yeah. came
1: out with Parsons this week. Yeah, oh, yeah, that, that's we could have talked about that, but anyway, so, so we'll move on to the draft kind of segment of our podcast this episode. So, the senior bowl happened this weekend. Well, the practices happened on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then you have the game coming up on Saturday, yes, sir. So, who are some uh players you're excited? Okay, to see? so
0: just before I go into the individual players that I'm excited to see, I wanted to give everybody just a quick rundown. Um, so I spent a good amount of time before the podcast. Just looking through, and I went with Walter Football just because I feel like it's the one I've been using the most, not that they're necessarily the most accurate, but uh, I know they like update their board all throughout the year. So I went through both rosters just to see who's currently mocked in the top three rounds with them, and it's kind of interesting. So on the American side, which is the Panthers side, you have Carlos Basham Jr., the defensive lineman from Wake Forest, who is projected in the first. You have Alex Leatherwood, who I feel like we've been hearing about forever, the offensive tackle from Alabama in the first. And then you have second rounders. You have Marvin Wilson, defensive lineman from Florida State. You have Deontay Brown, offensive lineman from Alabama. You have, they actually project three quarterbacks going in the second round and all on the American team. They have Mac Jones, Jamie Newman, and Kyle Trask all going in the second round. I feel like Mac Jones and Trask aren't so shocking, but Jamie Newman is a name that I feel like I had not heard a lot about until now. So, well, you didn't hear about him because you didn't play. Yeah, so i I'm, I'm definitely interested in seeing how Newman plays Saturday, assuming he plays, because um, that could really help shake out those three. Because I feel like. Any of those three could sneak into the first, potentially. And if not, how are they going to shake out in the second? Um, I think that's a fun QB battle to see. Um, then they also have your boy, Kadarius Tony, in the second,
1: who I know you're very, very high on. It's my draft crush.
0: And I don't care. Um, and then they have a bunch of third rounders, too. There's, uh, I am not going to say this name right Hamza. And... A, wait, wait.
1: Oh, Nashville. Yeah, there you go. Florida, yeah, defensive
0: back from Florida State. They got uh That's a big Peyton Turner. I can I can pronounce that one a lot easier. defensive lineman <laughs> from Houston. They got Quincy Rocher, I assume is how you say that. And Edge from Miami. Um Patty Fisher, who I can only hope is an Irishman.
1: Our jo- boy John Cullen, is a big Patty Fisher guy. He's he's and, like a the typical like racist down south white linebacker. He plays like the giant neck roll. <laughs> Like I said, his
0: his name's Patty, so I'm just assuming that uh, our friend John Cullen is a big fan. Um, (laughs) Then we got Trey Smith, offensive line from Tennessee.
1: Uh, Kellen Mond, quarterback from Texas A&M. Who some people say is the next uh, Dak Prescott, but we'll see about that. Uh,
0: Marquez Stevenson, wide receiver from Houston. And that's it for the American side. Um, On the national side, We got projected in the first round, um, Najee Harris, although I don't know if he's playing or not, from Alabama. Um, Then we have – oh, that's the only first-round pick, actually. Oh, no, wait. Uh, Najee Harris and then Rodarius Williams, defensive back from Oklahoma State. Walter has projected in the first also. Um, For the second-rounders, they have Rashad Weaver, defensive lineman from Pittsburgh. They have my guy, Chad Surratt. I still don't know if it's Surratt, Surratt. I haven't watched enough to know. But he's there. And I guess that's it for the second round. Then third rounders. Yeah. Sorry. There's Patrick Jones, the second from Pittsburgh, who's a defensive lineman. There's linebacker Hamilcar Rashid Jr. I'm I have no idea if I said that right either from Oregon State. (laughs) There is Baron Browning, linebacker from Ohio State. And then there was – I want to say one more receiver. Uh, Tylen Wallace, wide receiver from Oklahoma State. But the prospect that intrigues me the most is a Giants fan. And I talked about his brother Chaz. But the other Sarat, Sage, is my big man crush this year for the Giants. And a part of me hopes that he doesn't do great, so that maybe he does stay in the sort of mid rounds of the draft he's projected right now. But this guy, I don't know how he's not getting more hype. Maybe he's like because he's not gonna run a four three or whatever. But and I know he played for Wake Forest, which is all right. It's Wake Forest, but he's six foot three, had a hundred and seven catches for one thousand five hundred and eighty two yards. And 15 touchdowns. And like I said, the guy's six foot three, 215. So he's not a string bean either, but he is tall. Like, <clears throat> how is this guy not getting more attention? I know you have your like Chase and Smith all, all the way up at the top of the draft, but Sage Surratt, it's like that guy sounds like he should be a monster.
1: But wait, that was over. That was over two years. That was between 2018 and 2019. He didn't play last that year. That was in one season. I'm looking at it right now. It's career stats.
0: Let me wait, Let me pull this up. I literally saw that as a one-season <laughs> total. is going to change, change no, everything for me. Live, live on the air. Get, <laughs> Get out of here. Because I've looked multiple times. Dude, 60... This is bothering me.
1: He had 66 catches for 1,001 yards, 11 touchdowns in 2019. And then he had 41 catches, 581, four touchdowns in 2018. And he didn't play last season. Oh,
0: that. you're right. I was looking at career stats. That's my fault.
1: That's still No, I was saying, 1,000
0: yards and 11 with that size is still good, but that's not. I thought I – all right, now I sound like a moron. And this is why I tell people that, <laughs> that I will be good. honest. I've
1: never watched him play. I was just going off the numbers, and I read the numbers wrong.
0: So, very, very. Well, that's
1: why it's January, and the draft's not until April, so you got plenty of time to to learn pronunciation. I promise learn, everybody
0: uh, by April,
1: I will sound like I know what the hell I'm talking about.
0: Because right now
1: I'm <laughs> clueless. All right, so now, now I'm gonna roll off. You know, I'm I'm a little bit of a draft nerd. So I don't hide it, but I'm gonna rattle off some uh, some of my favorites. You better get, in the scene you better get these I've pronunciations right. Oh, I, I'm ready. So. We mentioned him last episode, but uh, our, our favorite Division three prospect, Quinn Miners, has been putting on for the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. Oh, my man my man in his crop guy, tops. Oh, he's letting the belly out in 40-degree weather. He don't care. <laughs> Daniel Jeremiah is breaking down his film on NFL Network. This guy's getting – so I mentioned this guy to John like –
0: Yeah, so I think you first showed, I showed me him in like early December, maybe November – but you were showing me his pancakes at DBs, and we talked about it. The, uh, his moving company, how he gets DBs totally
1: off the field. Yeah.
0: This guy is a
1: fun guy yeah, to watch. So he, yeah, and the best thing about it is he played left guard, his, I think, for two years in college. And then everybody was like, oh, they wonder if he could play center because of the way he moves and then how good he is at getting to the second level. So he's actually playing center at the Senior Bowl and doing Ooh, really, really okay. well. He's actually, Just uh, real
0: quick. I had this argument in the NFL group with our friend John Cullen earlier this week, but I said I did not want the Giants taking a center in the second or maybe even the third because I trust in Nick Gates. Now, if, 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 if he's playing minor. center and he's there in the mid-round, <laughs> we got a whole different subject because my guy's got the yeah. attitude to anchor an offensive line. Any offensive lineman that wants to wear a belly you, blouse is good with me.
1: So yeah, he's actually people have been um, talking up his battles, his one-on-one blocking battles with uh, Levi oh. for his name on Woozerika from Washington, hmm. defensive tackle. Who's actually projected? I don't know why he wasn't in Walter's thing, but he's projected to be a first-round prospect by like nearly everybody. And miners is Well, honestly, is I think, I think the Walter and, list that uh, I looked at might have been a little outdated too, because like. We had uh, Chris, what is it, Alave or
0: Olave or Olav, however you pronounce it. Um, didn't yeah, yeah, he return State, to school?
1: He went back to school.
0: Yeah, so it's like yeah. I think their yeah. list was maybe a little outdated. Like I said, I just use them because I know they do update
1: pretty regularly, but I wonder if they hadn't updated in a week or two. Yeah, but back to minors. I feel like he wasn't talked about much besides like random people mentioning him on Twitter. But I feel like he could be the next, like Ben Barch or Ali Marpet, these like divisions. So I was saying, you, the were, you were
0: all over Ali Marpet. Came to the too, Senior Bowl so. And
1: then, yeah, so Barch went in the fourth round to the Seahawks last year, and then uh, out of St. John's and like Minnesota. I thought it was, I thought it was like, I don't know to.
0: why this keeps sticking in my head, Newfoundland and Canada.
1: Oh. No, that, that, there was uh, Lauren DeVarney, oh, the guy that went to the Chiefs. He was from Canada. Who's now yeah. back in the medical field. But, uh, and then, and then Ali Marpet uh, went second round in 2015 to the Bucs. But moving on, uh, you got linebacker Jabril Cox do. from LSU. He was actually a transfer from. North and we Dakota know that, State, if, you know, if anything, Carson you Lex. you love Cox. I love. Imagine Jabril Cox. And God, Captain you could Cox have two Cox at once. <laughs> Jesus. Well, so, yeah, Jabril Cox is uh, ridiculous. Would you get his jersey? Because then you could have weekend. two Cox on your back at the same time. If you both him both
0: hand, right. okay.
1: All right. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna move on to my next guy, Kadarius Tony, who I talked about last episode. He's still a beast, still running ridiculous routes. And uh, an interesting <clears> note <throat> is now the Eagles hired Brian Johnson as their quarterback coach, who was actually Florida's offensive coordinator last year. So I wonder if his insight into guys like Tony and Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask, like guys like that, will have. He's also got insight. He's also got insight to the...
0: cue from *Impractical Jokers*, which is a joke that only Kevin Smith fans will get. Oh.
1: <laughs> okay, and then we got two small school the tackles, and Spencer Brown and Dylan Raduns, oh, no. the guy from North Dakota State. Uh, Dwayne Eskridge and Cade Johnson are another two small school wide receivers. Eskridge plays for Western Michigan. Kay Johnson plays for South Dakota State, like Dallas Goddard once did. Then you got uh, you like big receivers. Nico Collins is your guy from Michigan. He played. He uh, sat out last year. I don't
0: know what it is. He's
1: six uh, four.
0: I don't know what it is. I I have a like an aversion to Michigan prospects on a whole, and I can't tell you why. But I don't know if it was like that. I was so afraid of the Giants being mocked to get Rashawn Gary like a couple years ago, but. I like I hate Michigan prospects and I can't like I said it doesn't make any sense I can't I'm not saying like oh Michigan prospects flop it's just and I'm not an Ohio State I don't have a college football team really so I don't know why I don't like
1: Michigan prospects I just don't so you're a Michigan maybe racist.
0: although I would say the Giants – I mean the Giants had
1: – so Wolverine's we did have Mario Manningham
0: who was a Michigan mm-hmm. alum that's true helped us do great things. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like lately I just don't like yeah. Michigan guys for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, but uh, Nico Collins, he did sit out last year. He kind of reminds me of Denzel Mims because he's another, like, big body. He's only going to be, like, an ex receiver. I don't see him playing. This is, why this, like is why. this is why. This is why. He's hot.
0: That's Denzel, That's Denzel Mims for but everybody. He's good.
1: And uh, you got Dimitri Felton, who's UCLA running back. But he's – I don't know why he wasn't playing a receiver this whole time because they have – Videos of him doing routes one on one, he looks ridiculous. He's looking like Antonio Brown (laughs) out there with the cuts he's making. So I feel like he could be like the next. Oh yeah, you were saying that. One point. And then, lastly, uh, I know you mentioned him, but Marvin Wilson, Florida State defensive tackle. I don't understand what the hell happened to this guy because I remember a year ago, I feel like he was in every top ten of every mock draft, and like as the number one defensive tackle, like he was supposed to dominate. And now people are saying he might not even be drafted at all. It's like I've never understood how guys can fall that quickly in one year, especially like a year with COVID where teams are barely playing or like. I
0: feel like really like, injuries or off the field issues are the only things that I feel like should make a guy plummet that far. Like, first yeah, there, but... I, I don't
1: know if any of that's come out so far, but I just feel like from strictly a football standpoint, he's at least a day two pick in my eyes. Maybe I'm missing something, but that's always like. Yeah concerned me. I feel like sometimes we like overanalyze guys a little oh, bit. Well, I'll say, just, like just to go back happening. for a quick second.
0: That's why I just looked at the guys who are projected right now in
1: the top three rounds
0: because I feel like there's only a certain amount of movement that's really going to be possible before the draft and I feel like guys can kind of move within yeah. like two or three rounds unless there's injure off the field concerns then obviously everything is thrown for a loop. I feel like based on like measurables and stuff, I feel like, and, you know, senior bowl performance, stuff like that. I feel like guys have like a two or three round window of where they can sort of improve their stuff.
1: Yeah, just real quick before we go, this will be the last thing. But like I like I said, like with Devontae Smith, I feel like people are already like over analyzing it where they're like, oh my God, he went to the senior bowl, but he didn't, like he refused to weigh in. Like yeah. everybody knows he's skinny. You could look at him and see him. He's 170 pounds soaking wet, but like, you can't just overlook the production he did in like the best collegiate conference. He just dominated everybody. I feel like we always try and like pick at little things like we'll say, "Oh, a player ran one second slower than we expected. Oh, he's terrible." Like it's just I feel like it's oh, it's always something every year and I feel like Devonte Smith is should be the first receiver taken. But I don't know if people are just going to talk yeah, themselves I think, out of it. I just no
0: real quick, I think combine – the combine should basically just be a tiebreaker. If you have two guys ranked in the same spot and one guy runs a little bit faster, jumps a little bit higher, then okay, cool. Now you take him instead. But I don't think the combine should really jump anybody all that far just on a hole.
1: Yeah, like this year especially, tape is going to outweigh everything because there's not really a combine. A lot of these things are just pro days. And I'm sure a lot of the top prospects... But, I was there, be but, a, but a 40 in so. a bench is a 40 in a bench, whether you
0: do it in person, whether you do it remote. If they can see it and verify it, I think oh, like yeah. it's going to be... Because think about it. I feel like how many guys don't run at the combine anyway, especially your top prospects? Most of those guys usually wait to run, throw, do whatever at their program. That's true. But
1: All right, that'll do it for this fifth episode of D-Blitz. Be sure to follow us on Twitter again. I mentioned the handles at the beginning. Of course, leave a review and subscribe, follow, and whatever. Get your gift card if you get if you're
0: hearing this before. And,
1: uh, yes. Before what?
0: February first? We said the deadline. We have.
1: Yes, we have a Twitter giveaway going until Saturday. So get in if you can. Leave a review, post a screenshot, and reply to our pin tweet on Twitter, and uh, hopefully you'll win a twenty-five dollars NFL ship NFL shirt. And then you card. too. So that's it. For and then episode. you too can get he a gets. shirt and get cocks on your back. There you go. That's that's a good way to end it. Thank you everybody for listening. Bye-bye and have a good one.